Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you, dear listener. My name is Sophia, and you, yes you, have stumbled across a podcast that truly reinvents the wheel, if you ask me. Um, I talk to people about their lives, record it, then upload it, and voila, here we are. This is Floaters. Ah, how are we all doing, listeners? Pandemic going well? Treating you well? Are you in lockdown? Are you not in lockdown? What's that like? Here in the UK, we are in our second lockdown of the year. It's supposed to be shorter than the first one. Uh, I think, as I record, it's supposed to finish in like a week or so. But you never know. I'll keep you updated on that one. Uh, I've got to the point where, because I'm not working, I'm not able to work, uh, I've, <laughs> I've decided that showering has become more of an option as opposed to a necessity because I'm not going anywhere. I'm just at home. But uh, I think my family would sort of argue the other point, probably. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, my guest for today's episode, she definitely does shower um, and is a good person because she's an environmentalist, proud dog mother. <laughs> it's Katie Schwartz, everybody. Katie! Woo-woo! She's so lovely. Katie also happens to be a good friend of my sister, Teresa, who gets a couple of shout-outs on the podcast, actually. And there's your first one, Teresa. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy. And uh, it was lovely to meet Katie over Zoom. And as with all my guests, I begin by asking them, where did they grow up? Take it away, Katie. Yeah, so... Um I think probably like most people that interview it's always like really complicated because like I was I was born in London and then we moved to the Midlands and then we moved to the Netherlands and then I moved back and then um I went to a boarding school for a bit in um like away from my parents house and then uh, I ended up going to uni in London so I always say that I grew up in the Midlands I think it's because that's where I spent probably the longest stretch of time mm-hmm. um but we moved around so much in the Midlands as well that um it's hard to pin it down to one place so I just aim for like the middle like geographical location like centre of England and also the town where we're from is called Ashby de la Zouche and no one's ever heard of that so I have to be like when people like where are you from just like Leicestershire but not like the city like countryside mm-hmm. um, so yeah that sounds really exotic as well I've, I've never I'm one of those people I've never heard of that place before <laughs> so are your parents um are they from the UK so my mum's Irish and my dad's Scottish and then his dad was Polish um, mm-hmm. but they met in the UK when they were they met in England when they were um yeah my mum moved over from Ireland when she was about 20 I think because there were no jobs at the time so her and her sister came over and lived in a like a convent in Euston or it was like an Irish it was run by like Catholic nuns and they were allowed to stay there I think for really cheap but they had to be in a certain time every night so my aunt was a teacher and my mom was working as a I think she started out as a health and fitness instructor and then she went and worked in like children's um like in like Portland Street like for really like 10 meter children and she worked as a nut she did so many different jobs um yeah but my yeah my dad was from Scotland from Aberdeen and my granddad was from Poland and he came over in um the second world war so he was in a he ended up in a 
in like a working camp and he managed to kind of escape and then he came to Scotland because I think there were quite a lot of other like Polish refugees there at the time um and then yeah they got married and had my dad but he never told my dad any Polish which is a real shame because my dad's an only child and there's like a whole other part of the family like he has quite a lot of cousins um a, a few of them died because they got um like ex- they were in exile in Siberia and they died in because they were so I think they like literally like froze to death and but he's got other cousins but they don't speak English and he doesn't speak Polish so it's a real shame because it's like a whole other side of our family that you don't connect with yeah oh my goodness I mean that's it's really crazy I mean do you are you close with your like your Scottish side of the family um or your um I was gonna say German but that's me um, <laughs> Irish side of the family I think it's funny because like I really love I like in Scotland there's only my dad and my grandma um, and she passed away so there's only ever the two family like that's the only people we had there but I loved I was really I've always been very attached to Scotland as a place but I'm much closer and my Irish family's much bigger and I'm a lot closer to them because I spent a lot more time around them when I was younger but I feel less attached to Ireland as a place so even though I spend more time in Ireland I don't feel as at home in Ireland as I would in somewhere like Scotland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think there are parts of your personality that are perhaps like innately Scottish or Irish or like from the Midlands? Like, do you have parts of your personality that you sort of switch between? I don't know. I find it difficult because I think accents are such a big marker of, you know, where you're from and so many other things. And I find it difficult because I don't really notice that I have any kind of an accent, but then sometimes people would say, oh, you're a nor- you've got a Northern accent. And other people would say like, oh, it's not, you don't really have an, have an accent. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs> oh no, I was, um, <laughs> okay. um, I was asking whether like you have, do you think you have like different sort of traits, like from those different parts of the, of, um, Oh the yeah. I d- yeah. I don't know. It, I don't think I've got any Irish traits. Oh, I don't know. Well, it's funny because my granddad was like a massive hypochondriac and a lot of his his brother was also hypochondriac. I don't know whether that's a Polish thing or whether it's like um, just a family thing, but I'm also hypochondriac. So I don't know if that's like specific to certain people or whether it's just like by chance they were both like that. But I don't don't know. I don't really notice it. Um, I don't, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so, but maybe someone else would say, oh, you, sometimes I say, like, notice certain words, I say, like, bold. Like, in Ireland, you say they're very bold, and it's like, they're naughty. And I'd say that, and the first time I said that, people were like, what do you mean they're bold? And I was like, they're naughty. And they're like, oh, we don't use, I've never heard that word before. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I find myself sometimes using, like, phrases or, um, like, I, I'll say a phrase in English that I'll literally translate from German, like, for example, like moisturising, I'll uh, like that's the correct way to say it in English. I'll say I just need to cream myself in. <laughs> that sounds so wrong. It sounds so unbelievably wrong. But it means like in German, it's Einkleimen. So like I'll say that, and like Teresa, my older sister, will say like, um, you really shouldn't be saying that. That's not <laughs> ideal. Um, but it's yeah, it sometimes it just gets lost in translation or like yeah. yeah I Do you speak German that. at home then? No, no, not really, because like my mum learned more English as the years went on, like, like from when she was married to my dad. So like mm. Teresa actually is really good at all the languages. Also, she's just naturally talented, um, very talented at languages. Um, so she's the best at German. And then actually my little sister, cause she's just come back as well from 
she does like uh, she performs at hotels and things um, across Europe. So and she goes to places where a lot of the tourists are German. So she has to brush up on her German. So I guess I'm the one who's sort of like lagging behind at the moment. But it's one of those things I think like you know if you go to wherever your family's from, you as soon as you spend a bit more time there, you start picking up all the little mannerisms, all the bits of language and um, like there's certain things that you do I think when you go to those places like I mean I don't know if you have like a routine or something like as soon as you go see your family in Ireland you're like right now that I'm here I'm gonna have this or buy that or anything like that at all uh no not really I I guess it's I live a pretty when we go to Ireland it's like we go from the we go from the airport and then we go straight to my uncle's house and then we all live like hermits in in the house because my uncle and my grandma live quite close to each other so we just go between the two houses and there's nothing really to do because they live in um it's where they're from it's called Kildare and it's like the horse racing county so there's not apart from like a very small town centre that's yes it's quite boring when I'm there so there's nothing really that I look forward to apart from club orange which is this drink it's like orange it's like a fizzy orange fanta but with bits in and it's even sweeter than fanta and that's really good i always look forward to get having a club orange um but yeah apart from that there's nothing very sort of exotic i suppose but it's only island and scotland it's not like go to my dad my dad he's lived away in lots of different places and he lived in mallorca and i always used to love going to mallorca because you go to the supermarket and it'd be huge and you could get like massive bags of cherries and all of that kind of thing. Um, and this, the fishmongers, that was really good. Oh um, my God. Yeah. In Spain, like when you go to yeah. the fishmongers or even just like the meat counter as well, it's like a whole other experience. <laughs> yeah. They do all that stuff really well, don't they? Like markets and all that. Definitely. So did your dad travel around a lot for his work then? Yeah, he did. So he, I think, I can't remember when it was. Also, we were in the Netherlands for about, I think it was like a year or so. And then I think, I'm not really sure why we came back, but I think it just wasn't really working out in terms of like, my brother and I weren't really, we went to an international school and we weren't like mega happy in the school and we really wanted to come back to the UK. Like I really miss being, you know, with my friends and, and things. And we never really integrated because I, at the school it was it was purely English speaking. Even though they did, we did have to do like learn a bit of Dutch and a bit of French and stuff. And I think they ramped that up as you got older. But it was it was English it was an English speaking school. And yeah, it was just we. It was really it was really weird to fit in because they were all um, American, and they most of the children at the school were pet were children of parents who were in the army so they all had access to this massive kind of NATO base which had an enormous American supermarket and a swimming pool and a cinema and all that kind of thing and all the kids from the school they could always go to parties at this base but if you weren't if your parents weren't in the army then you couldn't go so it was was a bit weird because all of our friends were well we didn't really have that many friends but if we did they were they were American and it's just very it's a very different kind of I don't know it's it's like a different culture you know they're really into like I don't know it's I don't know it's just a bit strange it's really weird I had one friend who was Dutch and um, she was the niece of um so, like my, someone my mum met and she spoke really good English so I'd hang out with her quite a lot because she had animals and I loved animals so she had a big iguana um, oh. <laughs> yeah so yeah it was weird so then we moved back and then my dad decided to stay 
and then he traveled around he got different jobs in like belgium and then the longest one was in Mallorca, where he was for about six six years and he didn't he didn't come back that when when we were younger he would fly back at the weekends but then when we got older um and he was in Mallorca, he he didn't come home like that often mm-hmm. um, so yeah but it was, it was nice like to be able to i really liked it when he lived in Mallorca because it was so nice to be able to go there on holiday oh yeah i bet that sounds lovely i mean my little sister she was last summer she did a hotel season in Mallorca, and i got to visit her and oh my god it was just so lush after spending the whole summer in in london i was like this is what i needed <laughs> it was so nice um, yeah and do, are you still in touch with anyone that you went to international school with no i never i didn't make any very good friends when i was there i think it was it was the fact that you know the american kids really stuck together and there was only me i was the only i was the only british person in my whole year group there was quite a few uh, people from like poland and um i don't know bulgaria things like that but yeah it wasn't i didn't really but i guess i was quite small at the time i think it was about 12 but yeah i don't know it didn't not I wasn't in touch with any anyone from there but i was in touch with the dutch girl that i made friends with um, Josie Ann, she she emailed me actually not that long ago, about a year ago, and I hadn't oh. heard from her in like ages. So that was really nice. Yeah, it's always nice to reconnect like that um, yeah. after so long. Uh, I mean, I've been lucky enough to do that through this podcast as well, which has been really nice, really nice to catch up with people. Um, and when you went to boarding school, was that straight after the Netherlands then? Or was that a bit later on? No, it was a bit later on. So when I came back from the Netherlands, I went to another school for about two or three years. And then after that, that was when I went to, to boarding school. So I think I was like 13 or 14, maybe, when I went. Yeah. And how did you find boarding school? I didn't like it when I first went because I, there was only like me and two other girls who who were, were there at the time. So it was a bit weird um to board with like such a small number of people and one of the girls wasn't like that nice in the beginning but then we became really good friends so it's fine um but yeah I really didn't like it because I, I, I'd gone from a tiny school beforehand where there was 13 in a year group to an enormous school there was like 115 people in a year group and it was just very weird I mean it's not really not I feel like it's very unnatural for a kid just to be sort of like but I wanted to I really wanted to go like to me it was it was a great opportunity because I'd managed to get um a scholarship and all the other schools around where I lived weren't really they weren't really they weren't that great and so yeah I just thought it would be really good and some of my friends from my old school were going there as well so that was another reason why I wanted to go there but yeah overall I didn't I didn't like it I didn't I don't know whether it's it was just bad luck with the school, but I think the types of people that went there they were very materialistic and very or like all the same. Like it, there wasn't anyone who was, uh, and I don't know whether it's because we all have to wear uniforms, so that kind of beats any sense of individuality out of anybody. But it was it was odd. It was everyone had very flashy cars, and they'd get like Mercedes when they were seventeen, and um just it was all about like being popular and it was very cliquey and you know very it's interesting because when I speak to other people about their experience at school it sounds very different to mine my friend went to an all-girls school and she said like everyone just got on it was really really nice actually a really nice experience but for me I I actually didn't really enjoy I I kind of enjoyed the last two years because then more people started to board so I was with all my friends and that was really fun 
because like a big sleepover every day but I think in general it wouldn't I think yeah it's funny because I, th- I actually think if I'd have gone if we'd have and I we talk about this I've said this to my mum before when we were in the Netherlands if we had been put into um, a Dutch speaking school then I think we probably would have stayed and we probably would have got on and really enjoyed it there because we really liked it as a country like it's amazing and people are very nice they're very kind of straight talking and really really love like it's a lovely place to live really good kind of work like lifestyle and stuff and I think one school that they looked at was I think it was like a graffiti it was like an art school or something it was very cool and I feel like sometimes I think like oh if I'd have been there I probably would have really enjoyed um something or like I probably would have got on better if I've gone to like a college like a sixth form college or something like that but yeah it is what it is isn't it just yeah to, I mean were yeah. you were you weekly boarding or was it just like full boarding like you were there over the weekends and <laughs> It was weekly, but I did stay quite a few weekends just because a lot of the time we had sport on a Saturday and then we had to go to chapel on a Sunday. So there was no, literally no point in coming home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just stayed. Chapel on a Sunday. I remember that okay. very well. <laughs> very well. <laughs> Being marched to the chapel. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting at, at boarding school because like, um, so I'm, I'm also a boarding school survivor. And um yeah, like, well, we had lots more boarders, like, um, the sort of amount of people that, it, it did get more, like, more people were boarding, like, similar to your school, um, the older you got, um, and some people would, like, flexi-board, they called it, so they'd, like, stay over, like, for two nights or three nights, and it'd be really fun for them, but I sort of used to resent them a bit, because I'd be like, yeah, it's all fun and games for you, but I'm here all the time. (laughs) Um, Did you find it easier to make friends then when you were at boarding school than international school? Um, I don't don't think so, because I think I was just very shocked when I first went there, like, when I first got to boarding school, I was kind of mute for quite a while, because I was just really overwhelmed and I didn't really have any friends like I don't know I was in my friends that had come from the school before they were all placed together in like one kind of form room whatever and I was in a different one and I found it really difficult to figure out like who who my friends were so I'd say like a lot of my friends now are still friends from school but not that many of them but so I I did make friends but it took me a really long time I was I was really not happy there for like the first I say like easily the first year and probably like up to two years like I just really didn't didn't like it mm, yeah it's a bit of a strange one I think for any kid to go through and I'm mm. realizing this all in hindsight like it's a bit of a you know I, I for me anyway I found like there's a bit of a lack of foundation like especially within your own family it's sort of you have to sort of make it up as you go along because you're searching for like that sort of sense of I don't know, some kind of security. And it takes a while at school, especially when you're just plonked into that situation. You have to sort of muddle your way through. Um, I don't know if you relate to that at all um, in your experiences. Um, I think for me, like, it's weird because I did choose to go there. Like, I really wanted to go there. And I think that's very different to people who don't have a choice. Like, my sister went from when she was seven. She didn't have a choice. Mm. Um, And... So I felt, I think it's, I don't know, in some ways I kind of felt quite conflicted because I was like, well, this is what I want want to do. But then when I was there, I just missed being at home so much. Like I found it really, really difficult to be away from home, especially like away from my mom because um, we got on really well. 
Mm. And yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was weird. Mm. And how many years did you spend there? Um, I'm trying to think. Maybe five years. Okay. I think, yeah. And then after that, so it was that all the way until the end of like, like year yeah. 13. So after yeah. that, did yeah. you end up going to university or moving somewhere else? Yeah, so after that, I went to uni in London. It was a tie between St. Andrews and London, and I couldn't go and see St. Andrews because I was stuck in a... Do you remember when we had the ash cloud? Oh, yeah! Yeah, I was on a trip in in Spain with school, and um, we got stuck in the ash cloud, so I couldn't go and see it. So then I ended up going to London, um, and that was like one of the, the only uni that I could go and see, and because I'd seen it, and it was fairly nearby, I thought, oh, well... I'll, I'll go for this and I just got a really good vibe apart from someone had a heart attack right outside the door when we were there but um that was memorable but, was yeah. that on your on your trip like um your sort of open day around there or like checking out well, the university I, I missed the open day so I just ended up going down just to have a chat with like one of the lecturers and when we got to the front door of the uni a bus had stopped right outside and everyone had got off the bus and there was someone like making these horrendous sounds and my mum because she, she worked in the hospital she said oh that person's having a heart attack um so yeah oh my god yeah. that must have been quite quite something yeah luckily that like the paramedics had arrived and stuff so they were able to help her but um yeah it was a bit that was a bit like scary but yeah I moved to London and never really looked back um, I absolutely loved being in London because I think when you grow up in the Midlands, you just have no idea how fortunate people are to grow up in London. Like there was nothing for us. We didn't have like, you know, clubs or when I see, you know, our friends like, oh, gymnastics and then swimming and then traveling and, you know, drama and all that kind of stuff. Like there's none of that where I grew up. Like it's a tiny, tiny town and nothing for kids and no like you know sports or anything like that I guess there's a sports center but yeah the amount of things that you can do when you're in London is just absolutely insane and so I think I just loved it when I moved down here it was so much fun and yeah so busy and also because I can't drive I really like the freedom of being able to get out and about and go where I wanted to go so that made a big difference and that's one of the reasons why I've never actually I've never moved, so I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it must have been so great to, like, sort of soak up all these different parts of London and different things to do and and um, all the different kinds of people you, you meet at first when you get there. It's always quite exciting. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's definitely very different to, from where, like, our family house at home is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's very, like, white and old where we are and London's, like, you know, everyone full of all different people. Yeah, it's definitely a different energy. And um, I definitely, I, I was the same as you, like when I was living in London, I just didn't, I didn't drive or anything. I didn't learn to drive because I didn't need to. And then as soon as I, now I live in the countryside in the Southwest, um, now I'm like, I need to get on that. I need to start learning how to drive. I'm yeah. realizing how important it is. Um, I mean, it's a good skill obviously to have, but like I definitely took it for granted that like I could just wait at the bus stop for like two minutes and then the bus would come along. And like here it's like, half an hour or something and if you miss it then you've got to wait another half hour um mm. so it's a, definitely takes some time to adjust to that <laughs> so is there somewhere like in particular that you feel um strongly as being your your home now yeah i'd say i'd say it's probably the home that like my parents have been in for the past however long in like in ashby 
Um, I think it's because it's where we've been for the longest amount of time. And it's also the first place that they kind of properly did up. Because before that, if we, when we're moving, obviously you just, I don't know, you don't like paint or you don't do anything when you, you get there to make it feel homely because you don't know how long you're going to be there for. So, um, yeah, I think that definitely um, feels like very homely. But I think probably the other, it's funny, like the other place that where I feel like, not home home but somewhere else where I feel like very comfortable would probably be in Mexico because I spent about eight months there um on my year abroad and I just loved it I had the best time I felt like so settled and I knew everyone in the community and it was just it was really good that's the only other time where I felt like really chilled and relaxed about where I was living like I lived in Paris for a bit I hated that I absolutely hated it and then I lived in Belgium and I felt like yeah Belgium was nice but I never felt at home in Belgium mm. I feel like Belgians are kind of like the French they have quite a distinct you know it's like well it's like yeah like Belgian Belgian and then expats in Belgium and I think there's so many expats in Belgium that it's like quite hard to I suppose you integrate but you integrate with expats rather than with Belgians I suppose yeah. well, that was at least my experience I had no Belgian friends because there weren't any at my work and mm. um, so yeah yeah so did you what what did you study at uni then um, the same as Teresa. I did French and Spanish. Oh, okay. That yeah, makes sense. Oh. So what was it about Paris that you, you didn't like? Because I've heard from a Parisian that it is one of the least friendly cities, apparently. Yeah, I think you'll probably have to edit this out, but literally Parisians, like, I just cannot cope. <laughs> or oh, I've been watching Emily in Paris and it's so cliche, but that's like every single thing in here is true. But I was like, this is exactly what it's like. This is exactly where people are. And it's so funny when um, there's an episode in Emily in Paris where she says, um, I don't, she says something like, um, like, la croissant or something like that and the lady's like it's le. and it's it's and that I remember being on the tube and someone used the wrong preposition and this guy like flipped his shit because they said like answer the door or something like that and it, yeah I just also hated the university I absolutely hated it it was just so difficult there's no I think I don't know whether it's because uni is like much cheaper there it's there's no kind of proper infrastructure so you literally just like rock up to a lecture there's no proper formal like well, there's registration, but it's not like, you know, when you go to uni in the UK, it's like a big hoo-ha and a big welcome event and you meet your tutor and you get to talk to people and stuff and you feel like very part of it. When, when I was at uni there, it was, well, part of the problem was the actual main building was under construction. So all the lectures were off all over the place in Paris. And it's really weird as well, because when, you, when you're in a lecture, like it's more like the, the lecturer is just talking at you it's not very interactive so you're just there to like sit and make notes and learn and then all the students just turn up don't talk to anyone and then they all leave mm. so it's really weird and also they can do like they can do like two degrees at the same time which I found really weird one guy's like yeah I'm studying French literature but I'm also studying like psychology or something at a totally different uni so that oh, was weird. two different unis yeah he was studying like two separate things so that was really weird um but I just, I read, well, also I had a really awful experience with my landlady. I was like, I'm going to move in with a French speaking person and I'm going to learn really good French. And, you know, I don't want to be around anyone that speaks English. And she was just the most awful. She's just, she was just the worst. Like after about a week, there was all these new regulations coming in. Um, 
and it was like you can't I don't know after the first week I suppose it'd be like going from tier one to tier three lockdown in the space of a week like they, after week one it was you can't use the, these certain plates and bowls even though they were just like they weren't fancy bone china just like a standard plate and a bowl and she was like you can't use this one or this one or this one I was like okay fine and then she's like you can wash your clothes here but you can't dry them here so I was like okay so like how how does that work I was like do I bring them she was like you need to bring them to the laundrette and dry them in the laundrette I was like okay and then she had a cleaner and the cleaner would clean everywhere in the house except for my bedroom and also my bedroom was like her clock like store cupboard so it had all these huge sort of racks on the wall with with boxes and all sorts and I wasn't allowed to turn the heating on I had to use an extra duvet and just got too much and then she was saying that I was like eating in my room when I wasn't and it just it was just not good and it was also ages away from um the university so after like a couple of weeks I just said I was like look I'm so sorry I was like this really isn't working out for me and mm. um, I'm really sorry I'm gonna have to move out I was like I'll give you a month's rent like I'll pay for the next month and everything and but also her house was it was really not in good condition like it was very moldy and there was like plaster falling off the walls and it just yeah it wasn't great and then she went she went like absolutely crazy she was like I'm gonna lock your stuff in your room and you're not allowed I you know you can't leave all this kind of thing and it was just honestly it was literally one of the worst things and then the next I think it's like the next day I said to my friend I was like I've got to get out of here so she came we packed up all my stuff and I left and I just posted the keys through the door and I texted her and I was like I'm really sorry I'm not coming back and you know, I don't, I don't feel comfortable here. And then she started like sending me all these messages. Like, I, I can't believe she, she was like, you're like a thief. You've probably stolen from my house, all this kind of stuff. I was like, hey, there's nothing to steal in your house. Like, <laughs> literally nothing. Like the internet BT hub thing. I don't know. I didn't have no idea what I would steal. Like there was nothing there. And um, so I, I just hated it. I got off on a really bad start there. And then I found it really hard to find somewhere else. And it was just the whole experience was just awful. I didn't learn any French. I would have been better staying in the UK and paying for private tuition with a French teacher rather than wasting all that money on like, and also it was so expensive because I had to look for somewhere last minute. Mm. Like the flat was mega expensive that I found, but I just had to take it. So I spent most of my year abroad grant on that. Oh um, gosh, yeah. So yeah, it was not good. I just, yeah. And even now I'm back and whenever, whenever anyone's like, I'm from Paris, I'm like, mm, dubious. Um, <laughs> But it's funny because one of my really close friends, Claire, she's actually from Paris, so she's half half British, half uh, French, and she and she lives in Paris. But she's like, and I was like, yeah, it's funny, you know, when you like test the water because you want to offend someone. And I was like, yeah, since I'm time Paris, she's like, how's it? I was like, mm, no, what? She's really. She's like, it's awful. She's like, I know, it's terrible. I was like, okay, that's good. <laughs> Even you understand. Yeah, I'm not surprised that you're like on edge when you hear someone's from Paris. Like that's that's a, a nightmare like situation, especially when you're moving to a different country as well. And like you're just trying to figure your figure out your own you know stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, so but it, um, was it completely different then when you got to Mexico? Yeah, it's like complete polar opposite. I can't describe it. Like the university was insane because it was so so expensive to go there. Um, so it had like MacBook, like huge MacBooks in the computer room. You could print whatever you want on like enormous la- like poster paper. It was just it was 
really really nice and they had made such an effort for international students you have like your own little center for international students and they would sort out everything if you couldn't find accommodation you'd be paired with a buddy and they'd help you find accommodation and it was just the best it was like being in primary school like they would look at like literally like the lectures would be like looking out for you and they did a big welcome ceremony where they got the mariachi band and food and tacos and they told us all about Mexico and kind of do's and don'ts and like cultural things like don't wear like flip flops are really gross over there so like generally we don't expose our feet I was like oh, okay interesting so it's just all that kind of thing and then if it was really funny because if you had good attendance or you did well they were really strict about attendance so if you're one minute late for uni for the class you weren't allowed in and but then it was really weird because if you did well in your exams and you had good attendance they let you take like three extra days off Oh, so wow. really so we would always every weekend we'd like go to the beach or we'd just go on a day trip somewhere and it was so good we had so much time off as well and at uni they were you you had to like do an exercise and you'd have to write a story about something and then they'd just always give you like 100% all the time oh so everybody God. some people would like spit I don't know like Madrid University or whatever and it was really hard and very you know like academic and studious and they were miserable because all they did was study all the time that was like me in France like all I did was just have it like study because the work there was so much work mm. and in Mexico we were all like living our best lives and getting a hundred for literally nothing like my friend Chris he didn't even turn up he went to uni in Mexico City so he didn't even turn up for his lecture but the guy was like oh it's fine I give you a hundred oh um, my god so, yeah <laughs> we came back with like really high marks which is really funny yeah oh my god that, that that like tops off the whole experience I suppose like not only living in a beautiful city but then you're like sweet I'm sailing through this course it was like true like Mexican style do you know what I mean like oh we like you we'll give you a hundred the whole thing was just so funny and I just I think as well I made so many amazing friends when I was there so many Mexican friends because I lived with um we lived in like a big mixed household and it was just so good yeah and like the, all the students were just so eager to know you and I think the international students had a massive reputation for partying and going out so they all really wanted to be friends with you which is really nice and I really <laughs> liked that because um, I had I made really great great friends and I'm still in touch with them now actually oh, um, I'm probably in touch with more people from Mexico than I am from you know school or maybe even like uni in London so Oh, well, have you been back to Mexico since? No, I haven't been back. I keep meaning to go back, but then, yeah, I never do. A lot of my friends, they, they tra- like my Mexican friends, they, they speak like perfect English as well. So they tend to live abroad or they live in the, like one of my friends lives in the States. Another one's like traveling and going to Thailand and stuff. Another one lives in Panama. So yeah, it's kind of hard to pin people down, but it's really, it's really nice. We had a big reunion in Amsterdam when I was living in Belgium um, so one, one of our friends was in living in Amsterdam, another one was living in Germany, um, and another one in Belgium. We all got together in Amsterdam, and yeah, it was just really nice. It was really fun. Oh, lovely, yeah. Oh my gosh, it sounds like you had the best time. Like, I want to go to Mexico now. I literally had the best time. Honestly, it was literally the best experience. Like, everyone was just so nice and, and welcoming and kind, and it was the best thing. It really was. Mm. So is there anywhere other than... Mexico like was there anywhere else that you've traveled that you were like um you were sad to leave Japan 
Oh my God, tell me all about Japan. Oh, I went to Japan for two weeks and it was funny because I'd never been that keen to go to Japan. I don't know why. I was just always quite, I don't know, I thought like I'd rather go somewhere else. But then my friend had lived in Japan and she was trying to go and she also had a friend who lived there who was there for five years and she spoke fluent Japanese and she had a Japanese boyfriend. So she was like, you know, do you want to come with me to Japan? And I thought, well, why not? Because it's so great when you go with someone who actually can speak the language and who knows the city really well. So I was like, oh, it seems like a great opportunity. So I went from day one, I was just absolutely fascinated. It was like, just in, just like off the scale. It was so cool. Everything's just so weird. And it was just the best. I had the best time there. I absolutely loved Tokyo. Like even on the first day when I was in Tokyo, I saw the people doing, you know, they, you drive around the city in a Mario Kart and everything just talks at you, all the signposts and the billboards and it's so busy and there was cherry blossom and it's super safe and it's really clean and it was just the best. It was so good. Wow. That sounds amazing. Like I'd really like to go. I was saying this on a, on a different podcast, but like I've never been to Asia at all. Like and that's the one sort of continent that I really, really want to go to and explore. Because it, it just sounds so different to like anything like, to, well, to sort of English culture or even just Western culture. It's just so mm. different. And I, I can't wait to one day, hopefully, absorb it all. Like, I can't wait. Um, and um, but so like Vietnam's on my list because a friend of mine's living there at the moment. Shout out to Maisie Wright. Um, but uh, is there a, a country on your like that you've got on your list that you're like, right, one day, once all this COVID bollocks, it blows over, where am I going to go? It's hard because I've not even been thinking about it for the past year. I think, yeah, I don't know. I think I just really want to get back to Japan. And I'd also love to go to Canada. I'd love to go to some of the, in the States, like I'd love to go as well to some of the national parks, like Yellowstone National Park. When I was in, when I was in the Netherlands, our teacher was um, American and everything they, everything they talked about was like American and learning about all the states and all that kind of thing. And I remember we had to watch a whole video on Yellowstone National Park and I was like, oh, that looks really good. So yeah, I'd love to go there. And anything to do with the kind of nature and the environment. It's funny because I love cities like Tokyo. We went to other places in Japan, but Tokyo is by far the most absolute favorite place. Mm. I could happily spend like just a month in Tokyo. If I went back, I'd probably just, well, actually I'd like to go to Hiroshima, but yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe Canada and then New Zealand. I'd like to go to New Zealand. I'm not probably not that fussed about Australia. My aunt lives in Australia, but it's never somewhere that I feel mega keen to go to. I don't know why. Um, yeah, and then I just I don't know, just travel around the place. Really, I've never been to I've never been like to Poland or Romania or anywhere like that. So I wouldn't mind going somewhere a bit, you know. Yeah, like not like a mega tourist hotspot, I suppose. Mm. No, Poland's really cool. I really liked it there. Um, I mean, the only thing about Poland is like you've got, especially in places like Warsaw, you've got like these really modern sort of skyscraper sort of buildings, and then you contrast that to like all the sort of old communist buildings, and you've got like, um, is it Stekov Night? No, Stekovn. Oh, I'm saying it wrong. But there, there's like a particular kind of um, architecture that like shows, you know, a woman with her baby, like doing the her womanly duties and a man with a drill and that kind of <sighs> stuff. And it's like carved into the wall. So you've got oh, that and then you've got all these lovely big shops and shopping centres. And um, 
but it was really lovely to go there. Um, and um, I suppose it'd be really nice for you to go, like, try and connect with your family. But um, also, Polish is a very difficult language. I could I lived there <laughs> properly for on and off for two years, and then properly for a year. And then the whole time I was there, I only learned like little bits and pieces. And I can still say. Um, I don't speak Polish in Polish. Like that's the only thing I can say. But apparently, my accent when I say it isn't too bad. So when people when I'd say it to people, they just keep talking to me, and I'd be like, "No, no, 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 no. That that's it. I'm so sorry. That's it. Really." <laughs> but um, that'd be really cool, I suppose, for you. Do you know whereabouts your your family is in Poland? I don't know. I think my dad my dad does. I think mm. um, because also I think there's some weird thing where like he has a cousin who's Scottish, but he, I think his dad taught him more Polish, so I think he could probably kind of communicate with them. But yeah, I have two friends who did. One of them was Mexican, the other one was from Brazil, and they did, you know, like the Rotary Club when they do that ex- some kind of exchange thing when they're quite young. And she did hers. They both did theirs in in Poland. And my friend was literally fully immersed in Polish for a whole year, and he can speak it, but he said it's like the biggest effort ever he was like I have to concentrate so much and he said even after a year of full immersion and he's really good at languages he speaks like five languages like fluently he's like even after a year he could get by but he was like nowhere near good enough (laughs) so yeah I don't think I have the effort for that yeah it's funny because I had I'd never met any anyone who was Hungarian and when I was in Belgium my entire team at work they were all Hungarian and that was really funny because I've never heard people speak Hungarian because obviously I'd never met anyone who's Hungarian and I was like this is such an odd language you know when your ear is not like tuned and you're just like what is this it's so strange the sounds and then after a year it was really quite familiar to me and I learned a couple of words and yeah it's it's funny how you kind of just tune in after after a while of of listening to it but I know really weird words like um chicken I learned words like chicken breast um monobrow bum bag because there was a guy who used to always really bother us well me and my colleague but especially my colleague Leela and he he had a monobrow, so we called him his his. We had a code name for him, which was monobrow in Hungarian. Um, when we'd be like, "Oh, he's annoying," or we'd be like, "Watch out, here he comes!" Sort of. And then there was another one who had this like man bag, but he would carry his man bag everywhere in the office. So if he just left his office for two minutes, he'd have this man bag. So we nicknamed him like bum bag. So I've got really limited Hungarian, like yeah, chicken breast. I agree, bum bag and monobrow. Crucial words though for the time, like crucial, crucial for communication. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny what you pick up. Like I remember saying because I worked as, a bit as a nanny in Poland as well for a family, and um, so I pick up words that they sort of say to the the kid I was looking after, and one of them was shadai, which means sit down. And I told my Polish friend about this. She was like. Yeah, that that sit down, but that that's kind of the. It's almost like a command, like what you'd say to a dog. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like these little things that I'd miss out on, or like um, the context and things. But the, I just remember the weirdest stuff, pretty much. Yeah, like that, like shadai, or like yeah, I don't speak Polish or whatever. Um, but I'd love to go back at some point. I think it would definitely be worth it to go back and and have a little look around and. Um, but I wonder is, if there was anywhere you, like, would, could you see yourself moving to a different country um, again at some point? Or are you happy where you are? 
it's hard because I, I tend to get like a two-year itch. So I'll be in London for two years and then I'll start to be like, mm, I want to go away somewhere now. Um, but I think the, because I was in Belgium for like a year and it was like a year and a bit, it, after that I kind of thought actually I'm a bit done with, with moving abroad and that's why I kind of came and I feel like I'm more settled in London now because I have like, you know, living in a flat and fostering the baby child, the giant <laughs> baby child. Um, who is still unnamed, he shall not be named. Um, so I feel like I don't really want to go abroad again. I think it takes quite a lot of effort. I suppose, yeah, it always takes effort when you move somewhere, even if it's just like moving flats in the UK or whatever. Um, but I think as I get older, my kind of effort to do that and to start again and, you know, finding a job and everything is kind of waving slightly because a lot of my friends that or my friend who I went to Japan with she did she went there because she was on the jet program and I think if I was I think now in hindsight if it was like three years ago I would have loved to have done something like that but now when I think about it I'm like oh actually no I don't really want to kind of put everything on hold and I think it's also it just depends as well where you are like in your life and what you're doing because at the time before I moved to Belgium I was working at Loughborough like at the I was living at home working at Loughborough Uni I hated my job I wanted to go abroad and like try and start something new so I think being able to go and like work at the commission that was for me was kind of like I was like well this will hopefully be the start of a like career mm-hmm. um, and yeah now I work in like the civil service and um DEFA and I really like environment things so again I think it's just sort of like up sticks and leave and maybe if it was if it was to do this something like the environment or something like that maybe I would consider it I'd, li- I'd like actually I would move abroad if it was organized so if it was something through like foreign office or department of trade or whatever and it was an opportunity yeah. to live abroad there I'd definitely do that like I'd love to live like, I'd 100% live in Mexico I'd live in Japan um, I'd live I'd live anywhere to be fair but I think it's much easier when you have I was often well it, like it's very easy to move to Belgium and uh, you know it's just easy to organize everything and it, it was fine so that was that was okay but my friend there she was going out with a diplomat and everything was just organized for her all the time like she never had to worry about moving or everything was just done and I was sort of like oh that is really that's a real luxury to have that yeah. and I think you know, that's why I'd definitely be up for moving to like Mongolia, providing they could sort out just a flat and, you know, what, or just all that kind of nitty gritty stuff that you don't eat, that can be a big factor to, to sort out sometimes. With most people that I've spoken to for this podcast, it seems that you, um, for people who've travelled around a lot, it seems you you, are, you fall on one side of a of a scale, which is like the sort of the rooted sort of end, or like the restless end. And everyone speaks about like the sort of itch that they get. But some people, yeah, it just seems that some people are more interested in like making their roots sort of in a certain place and having that base, whereas other people just sort of, you know, like a kite in the wind, they'll just go wherever they're sort of. Um, wherever they need a change or whenever they need a change rather um but um I think yeah I wonder I I still don't know where I I land on that yet I still unsure although I haven't done a lot of traveling in a bit but um it would be nice like I do dream of like moving away and like like you say like like you did with Brussels and starting again and you know starting a career or 
but I don't know. I wonder if it takes, I don't know. It's taking me a little bit more time to figure out. Yeah, um, and I think it depends as well on your motive. Like, I think people who are more, pro- like, more content to kind of go and live, like, in loads of different places, I suppose, maybe, I think it would seem to me they're driven more by the experience that they get by living abroad. So they're happy to do any kind of work and kind of go wherever the wind takes them sort of thing. And I think that's that's really cool. But I suppose for me, I probably fall more now on the kind of work side. Like I wouldn't want to move somewhere random and do something random because I would feel sort of, I'm not that motivated to live somewhere else for that purpose. But I think if it was like, I could do something that I really enjoy and the side benefit of that is living abroad, then I quite like that. But I think as well, it's very difficult because it's it does sort of interrupt I found like when I was in Belgium, I actually lost touch with so many people. Um, even though it's not that far, like a lot of my friends they wouldn't come and vi- they didn't come and visit or they wouldn't necessarily catch up as often as, as we would. And I found that when I came back from Belgium, it was a bit weird because I thought, oh, actually, I don't really have that many. I mean, it's a good experience because it siphons out your good friends from your just average friends, <laughs> I suppose. Um, and yeah, but it was that was that was quite interesting. I found, and I do. I think if I move somewhere like Mexico, especially if you know there's a time difference or whatever, it can be quite hard to to keep in in touch. And I do think as well, not to sound like very morbid, but when you've got family members like my grandma, and you know she's obviously not getting any younger, and and even like my dogs, like I'm really attached to, to my dog and things, and it's it is quite a big thing to and again I think it all depends on people's family situations if you're if if you you know are happy to be away from people and you know you don't you don't mind that kind of thing and you're happy to catch up when you're back then I think that's that's really great but I think I would probably struggle now I think a lot more so than I would have done a few years ago to just go abroad again Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, especially you seem really like well-established, like with your flat and your dog and like your career. And um, yeah, it sounds like it's all on the up for you, all on the up. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because I split up between all different things. I still I don't really know if this is what I want to do. And often I think I'm just going to bunk it all in and do an art foundation. Um, but I definitely want to do it in London, not in abroad no, for else. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, I've only got one more question left for you. And uh, this is where you get to plug or promote anything you like. This could be anything. A TV show you've watched, a food you enjoy, a country, or even just, I don't know, a way of being. I would like to promote, I can't even remember the name of it, which isn't a very good promotion, but there's a Greyhound Centre in Romford. Not in Romford, it's in Brentford, but it's called the Romford Greyhound retired greyhound owner association i think and they do a really great job of taking greyhounds um i'd also like to say shame on ireland for their treatment of greyhounds at uh eddie Riles, who does not treat greyhounds uh, very well because it's uh yeah not a great industry and they end up just dumping all these dogs on people who are then left to look after them and find homes for them and at the Romford Centre they do an amazing amazing job of taking these greyhounds that have often like you know medical problems with their teeth or behavioural problems and they look after them really well and then they find them nice homes and um, they get to live a nice life which they didn't have before so big shout out to them yeah I went there um, to, to pick up well I actually just went to walk dogs so I didn't intend to come home with one 
and then I came home with one. Oh. Um, but I was really surprised with how how kind they were and um, how great it was. So yeah. Oh, God, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. <laughs> and what have you thought of like different names yet, or are you still sort of mulling it over? We cannot think of it. It's really hard because I think if he was a girl there's loads of names that would really see him like Nancy like he really looks like a Nancy or Florence or like there's so many I, I think definitely Nancy seems to stick or like Nelly or something like that but with because he's a boy we just can't see we've been through like hundreds of names and we'll try like we're like what because his real his racing name was Padre's Light so we're like what about Colin Paddy mm. and we just can't think of anything we've been like Paddy Max Monty Merlin and Nigel, Kevin, or Scooby, Spud, like all these guys, we just can't agree on one. Like it doesn't, you know. And normally, with an animal, like it speaks to you. You know, what I mean, you look at it like with our other dog. We're like, he's an Alfie, or mm. yeah, Penny is our other dog, but she looks like a Penny. Um, but he's there's just no names that sort of connects with us. And we'll be like, what about Max? And we're like, okay, Max. And we're like, he's not Max. And it's just really frustrating. <laughs> I was had him for days and we just can't think of a name for it. But I'm not calling him Niall. I hate the name. I really just like, no offense to anyone who's called Niall. I think it's a fine name for a person. But to a dog, it's just, uh, he's not a Niall. He's not a Niall. <laughs> but it's funny because we have to walk him and he's, he's muzzled and he's on the, obviously on a lead. And everyone's like terrified of him when I'm walking around. And it's great for me because I feel really safe at night time. I'm out with him and like, you just see these two eyes. And he's kind of like, at night time, he's quite... Um, alert so sort of a bit stalkerish and, <laughs> and listeners if you have any suggestions for katie's greyhound um <laughs> not just any sort of suggestions like where's the best tree i mean suggestions about the name obviously um you can comment <laughs> the episode oh get a grip Sophia comment and leave a like while you're there why not share oh and you can also rate us uh you know five stars would be nice but um honesty is the best policy you know you can just rate it how you how you so wish and um and so we're on soundcloud you're probably listening to this on soundcloud or apple podcasts um but if you want to know more about the it's called a podcast, isn't it? If you want to know more about the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram. We're, we're at floaters underscore podcast. And um, yeah, give us a follow. And uh, in the meantime, I'll make sure to write something down for a intro and outro to make them a little bit more coherent next time. That's my promise to you. Okay, so rounding off, I'd like to say thank you to Katie once again for being a guest on the podcast. Thanks to Aral for his sound help. You can find his website in the show notes. And thank you to Adora as well for all your help with graphics and social media. And thank you to you, dear listener, for listening once again. Or if it's the first time, thank you for making it right to the very end. You're an absolute gem. Until next time, bye-bye.